you have all these other social pressures and you see your friends doing well and you know you go off and you're like oh my god did i make a mistake like i for the first month i made three hundred dollars the second month i made three hundred and thirty four dollars whatever i sold is what i made it was it was terrifying Welcome to Pave Your Own Path, where I get a chance to speak with driven individuals from various industries to better understand the challenges they face to achieve success. This podcast is intended to inspire others to follow their own passions and to help understand the value that you already bring every day. So let's get started. Hello, beautiful people, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Pave Your Own Path. Today, I am thrilled because I get the opportunity to speak with our next guest, Joey Deheer. Joey and my oldest brother, John, have been good friends for over 10 years now. And although Joey and I haven't spoken for about 10 years, I know Joey has grinded his way to pave his own path and be where he is now. So, Joey, how are we doing today? Doing good. How about yourself? Doing well, my man. Doing real well. This is a nice little 8 a.m. interview. I got my coffee ready. You got your coffee as well? I sure do. Oh, man. Good. Now. First burning question, since you have your coffee, do uh, do you get offended when people say cup of joe? Not at all. I, I actually feel honored. <laughs> you feel honored to be the first part of everybody's morning. That's Love cool. it. Hey, man. Well, I like to give everybody a chronological order of your life and how you got to where you are now. So could you give us a better understanding of your childhood, maybe a snapshot of what that looked like? And uh, yeah, if you want to start there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm from Carmel, Indiana, a north suburb of Indianapolis. Um, I'm one of five kids, um, the the second in that birth order. So my parents had my sister and I when they were in college and then um, had another uh, three younger brothers, uh, kind of once my dad got his career established a little bit. So my sister's two years older than me, and then there's an eight-year gap between my next brother and I, and then it, they're all each about 18 months apart. Um, so yeah, just went to public schools and um, graduated from high school, didn't really know what I wanted to do, and um, ended up in community college uh, for about a year and a half, and then um, finished up at Indiana University, Indianapolis, which was IUPUI at the time. Yeah. Now, what made you want to make the switch from going from a community school to IUPUI? Um, you know, I I went to Ivy Tech, which is the community college in Indiana, and um, I I was doing that mainly because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and yeah. not to mention that you know my grades weren't really good enough to get into any four year school at that time too. So I kind of just bided my time at at that community college, and then. Um, you know, kind of just figured out, like, look, I'm, I'm either wasting my time or I need to do this all the way. So I, I started taking it seriously. And then I transferred and, and chose a, a business major thinking that, you know, I might go to law school after that. Yeah. And were you uh, working at the time? I was, yeah. So I was um, serving tables, bartending, and uh, in the summers during the day, I would do construction. Oh, very nice. What was uh, What was construction like? So, or how long did you do that for? Um, construction I did from say 16 is when I started doing it in the summers. And then I carried that on until I was about 
22. Yeah. And um, it was hard work, man. <laughs> and and that's that's one of the things that motivated me to to go to college, actually. <laughs> well, like I, I, my body is not made for this. No. Did you uh, know anything about construction before you got into that job? Nothing. Um, okay. A buddy of mine, Ben Schwer, um, that was kind of his path, you know, and he's still in construction. He does project management now. And, you know, he, he found this guy, this, this residential contractor when we were in high school and it was, it was pretty good money for, you know, a couple of 16 year olds. And that's, that's what I was in it for. And, and it was also cool to learn something that just, you know, my dad wasn't really handy or anything. So. Yeah. I remember about 15 years ago, maybe, I don't know, 10, 15, sure. uh, Ben had updated one of our bathrooms, I believe it looks absolutely beautiful. So yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it's, now you were doing that for, uh, so many years. What was your mindset going into that job? Did you have any days where you were just like, this is absolutely awful. I need to make a switch. What was that like? Um, you know, starting out when I was young, um, I was, it was really good money and I was learning and I was working with at my time, you know, my, one of my best friends, um, and Ben is still one of my best friends today. Um, and, and so it was a blast, but by the time I was, uh, 22, I remember the the last job I did was actually uh, my mom's roof. <laughs> so Ben and I, and I don't know if you can really call that a job, but Ben and I uh, decided to uh, give my mom new shingles. And she at the time had a really big roof and it ended up being the hottest summer in like 10 years. <laughs> and so and it was, it was the hottest week of the hottest summer and we're up there just dying and I remember that was that was when I was like, all right, I'm I'm never doing this again. I'd rather serve tables. <laughs> this is the last time I'm doing this. Oh yeah, um, it kills me. So that's when you decided to go to college. It sounds like uh, you said you went for business. Was it business administration or just a, a what was that? Yeah, I, so I was I was in college that whole time, but yeah, like I, so, like eighteen straight out of high school, I went into Ivy Tech, and then I kind of transferred when I was about twenty years old. So um, yeah, I I ended up studying accounting and finance, um, even though I I wasn't super interested in accounting, but I mainly did that because um, it was the supposedly the hardest degree, <laughs> and um, I, I wanted the challenge. I think yeah. just to, to prove it to myself that I could, um, you know, do well at, in one of the harder programs for a state school in Indiana. Um, so that's what I did. And and looking back on it, it was pretty dumb of me to, to choose accounting <laughs> finances just for that reason, because I was, I was much more interested in, I'd say, like marketing and, and design. Yeah. Uh, I'll choose the most difficult degree. Yeah, um, yeah. Now you know, I had a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> now you had also talked about uh, possibly studying law. Uh, what kind of law did you want to get into, and what was the reasoning behind that? Yeah, I, I wanted to get into uh, business law, um, and it was mainly for for two reasons. Uh, the first being, you know, I wanted to be the corporate guy with a lot of money. And this, the second reason, which is really the driving reason, um, 
was that I, I kind of had a couple of things happen to me when I was in my teens and early twenties. And I just realized like, you know, I, you, you get pushed around if you don't know the law. And so not even on a criminal side, but even on the business side, it's yeah. like, you know, I, and, and seeing my family go through, you know, different hardships. Um, it just felt like, you know, if I go to law school, then maybe we can stand up for ourselves. I love that, man. That's beautiful. Um, now you graduate from IUPUI. What is the first thing that you do? <laughs> well, I was, uh, let's see, not much. I, I, I graduated in a, uh, in a uh, fall semester. So I graduated in the winter of 2012. And at that point it had been five and a half years. Um, so I, I didn't even walk at my graduation just because, and my parents, you know, parents and family, they're all super proud of me. But at that point I was just kind of like, look, you know what? I finally got this done. It yeah. took me five and a half years. I'm not proud that it took me that long, but it's done. And by that point I knew that I didn't want to be an accountant or, you know, work in corporate finance. Um, so at, at that point I was working on a business, uh, as well as serving tables. And, and so I, I just threw myself into both of those, you know, I, I don't, I actually, I was, didn't really increase my hours or anything. I was working 40 hours at the restaurant during college. So I just continued that. Um, but I had more free time to pour into the business. Nice. And what business was that? Yeah. So that was called heal at home. Oh, cool. What, what, what did uh heal at home do? Yeah. So my dad is a podiatrist, uh, so he treats foot and ankle issues. And um, he he had an idea to basically offer the treatment that he gives in his office for plantar fasciitis, but um, basically make a video and teach people how to self-treat. So, you know, when you go into the podiatrist w with plantar fasciitis, um, you know, in the end, it can end up costing you a thousand dollars, you know, and, yeah. and if you, if you don't have insurance or if you have a high deductible, like most people do, especially young people who aren't on Medicare, um, you know, you're, you're going to end up paying that out of pocket. And so we came up with all these, these products that he uses during his treatment and made a video instructing, you know, patients how to use the products and like use them in the right sequence. Um, and, and we, you know, the plan was to sell it for $300. And so, you know, in business school, I, I kind of had all the, the boxes checked, you know, I was like, okay, well, like I'm, I'm adding value to the patient because, you know, they're getting something for $300 that normally they'd have to get for a thousand. Um, and I, you know, I have my LLC formed and, you know, my marketing materials and blah, blah, blah. And I thought I was ready to go. Yeah. Um, now what is the, just, uh, if you could help educate me and some of the listeners, what is this, uh, disease or diagnosis? This, uh, I'm not even gonna try to say it, but the fact fat Plant, Yeah. Plantar fasciitis. And so what it is, is it's, it's the most common foot injury and it just, it's like a sore heel. Um, so like, you know, I was familiar with it, um, outside of, you know, my dad being a podiatrist because serving tables, a lot of servers being on their feet all day would, would get plantar fasciitis. A lot of runners get it. 
Um, so it's caused by a lot of different things. It can be caused by uh, weight, weight gain, change in activity level, um, and overuse. Those are kind of the more common. Uh, okay. Yeah. And you guys came up with a pretty um, efficient way for people to be able to do it at home watching this video. That's incredible, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was just my dad's treatment that he used in the office. And we're like, you know, let's let's try to streamline this. Yeah. What was it like working with your pops? It was fun. I mean, he's he's awesome. He's he's super smart and, um, you know, kind of let me take the lead. Um, yeah. Which was which was cool. It, it was it was a big growth opportunity for me. And I, I learned a lot. Uh, Very nice, man. With that first company. And um, so I see that you moved around a lot as well. I know just from talking to you, you've been in Indy, Denver, California, Philadelphia, even DC. Um, what's it like? <laughs> what's it like picking up and going somewhere different like that uh, multiple times? And is it, is there is are there any stresses that go along with that? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, girlfriend at the time, um, was doing travel nursing. And so with travel nursing, you go and you, you get a contract with a hospital for 13 weeks. So it's three months. Um, and at that time I, I had started a a different business and we just kind of started out on the road together. Um, and you're basically living out of your car. I mean, we would, um, rent Airbnbs that were fully furnished and the hospital pays for it, which is great. But usually you can just, you know, reach out to the owner of the Airbnb and kind of negotiate a lower rate. So that's what we do. And, and, you know, you have to make friends super fast when you're only in a place for three months. Um, and so if you don't, if you don't make friends, like on the first week, it's, it's kind of like isolation because you're not there long enough to feel like you can plant roots. Um, you know, and, and so it's it's hard to kind of like commit to building relationships when you're when you know that there's an expiration date. Yeah, and you said you were in these areas for about three months at a time. Um, for Denver, Santa Barbara, California, and DC. Yeah, those were each three months, and then I was in Philadelphia a little over a year. Nice. And you had mentioned that you were also starting a new business as well. Yeah, I was, you know, helping my dad start a new business, actually. I'm, I'm sure you're, you're catching on to a theme. But um, yeah, my dad, so that first business I was telling you about failed, um, you know, for, for numerous reasons. Um, and then my dad had another idea for a product. Um, so I helped him launch that business. Um, and, and the traveling was kind of advantageous because... I could go to new markets and three months was long enough for me to get people to use the product. And, and this time we went to doctors instead of direct to consumer. So I would go and, you know, meet with a bunch of doctors in those areas and then get them to use the product. And, and it's kind of on a, the product is used on a regular basis. So it's, it's a kind of a cyclical uh, sale. And then I would move to the next city and do it all over again. Nice. And that's what you're currently doing right now, correct? Uh, well, we're, we're not living the gypsy life anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still, uh, I'm now the national sales manager for, for my dad's company. That, and um, in addition to that, I started my own company uh, two years ago. Uh, oh, good for you, man. Yeah. With a, with a company. I'm sorry. 
What is that company? Uh, Thrive Orthopedics. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, what What is Thrive Orthopedics specialize in? Yeah, so we, we have a product that treats patients um, who have either suffered from strokes or MS, uh, who have basically lost the ability to uh, lift up their foot when they walk. So it's called drop foot. And so like if you have a neurological issue, um, you kind of lose the control of, you know, it could be one half of your body. And we have a, uh, a product that's made out of carbon fiber and it, it, it creates this leverage and this, this feedback when the patient walks in this device and it kind of lifts up the, the patient's foot for them. That's incredible. Uh, do they have any idea what causes this? It's really cool. Um, what, what causes the, drop foot? Yeah. Yeah. So it could be a stroke. It could be a car crash. It could be uh, MS. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of different causes actually. Um, it's not as common as the first one I was telling you about plantar fasciitis. Um, yeah. it's, it's a much more kind of serious condition and it's, it's something that people have to live with. Where now, how, uh, how did you realize there was a gap in the industry to where you could start your business? Um, yeah. So, um, I was living in Philadelphia at the time and there's some really, um, big hospital systems out in Philadelphia. And I I was meeting with some of those hospitals to try to sell my dad's product. And I kind of came across this series of products. They're called carbon fiber AFOs and AFO stands for ankle foot orthosis. And so I, you know, I started talking to the clinicians about these products and coincidentally, I, I met a manufacturer who, who made these carbon fiber braces and, you know, the manufacturer was like, look, you know, I'll, I'll sell you these for $165. And I was out at these hospitals and, you know, these hospitals were paying 400 bucks for them. And so I, you know, I was like, well, there's, there's an opportunity there. Um, so I, I started buying these, uh, carbon fiber AFOs from this manufacturer in Georgia for $165. And, and it, it just kind of grew from there. Um, but right now we're actually working on setting up our own factory in, in Asia. Um, Very nice, man. Yeah. Good for you, brother. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, it's been a blast. Um, with my dad's company, you know, he's, he's a medical director and he's kind of in charge of coming out with new products. But um, with my company, you know, I, I get a little bit more freedom in, in choosing, you know, what, what we get to work on and, and things like that. So um, we're setting up that factory in Asia. And then we're also working on uh, 3D printing um, different devices for people. So like if somebody has a weird anatomy or, you know, they're really big or really small, um, you know, we can 3D print these braces for them. Uh, so that's, that's been a really fun project, too. That's incredible, man. There are so many cool technological advances that I'm excited to see. Obviously, you're taking advantage of that right now. Yeah. Um, now, one of the points of this show is to make sure that everybody understands that this was not just you woke up and you just started your business. What was some of the difficult parts about deciding to start this business? And were there any hiccups along the way? Yeah, yeah. Um well, the lot of lot of hiccups along the way. Um, so that that first business I started, which was called Heal at Home, the the treatment for plantar fasciitis, um, 
that business failed uh, for for a couple reasons. But uh, the the big takeaways for me was number one, I I quit too early on that, um, and number two, I I got distracted um, by by money. So uh, there's another job opportunity that that kind of came across, and and I decided to focus on that instead of this business that I had invested in. Um, so, you know, obviously if you're not giving something time, it's, it's not going to flourish. Um, and then also I, I kind of fought technology on that one. You know, there's, there's some similar products now on Amazon that, um, you know, do hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in sales. Um, so yeah, yeah, that, that business failed, you know, because I, I kind of just gave up on it too early. And, and then I took this job and I was making great money. And then when my dad came up with that, that second idea, um, the one that I, you know, kind of went all into. And so I was making really good money at that time. And, um, you know, I, I quit and then I moved to Denver with, with my girlfriend who I'd never lived with. Uh, we were in a long distance relationship before we moved in together. So that was challenging in and of itself, but you know, I, I went from making amazing money to making $300 a month. Yeah. Um, and that was like, just, um, scary. Like, because I, you know, I wanted to eventually propose to my girlfriend and, you know, I, you have all these other social pressures and you see your friends doing well and, you know, you go off and you're like, Oh my God, did I make a mistake? Like I, for the first month I made $300. The second month I made $334. Cause I was just, you know, whatever I sold is what I made and yeah. it was, it was terrifying. So kind of getting through that fear. Um, and, and then, but this time around I was like, okay, I'm going to stick with this. Like I'm going to stick in here and like do it for at least a year or two. And so by, you know, the time the six month mark hit, you know, I was making 1500 to 3000 a month, which I was like, okay between this and serving tables, like I can keep growing this and and maybe one day I can just do this. Yeah. Um, and, and so that, that lesson helped me a lot, but that second time around, it was just mostly about like learning how to swallow my pride and be humble. Um, and, and not like compare myself to all my friends who had, you know, the corporate salary and the, the car and the insurance. Um, you know, I'm like, Hey, I, you know, I, I should be, you know, further by now, but here I am still serving tables, trying to get this business off the ground. Um, and, and it eventually lifted off and it's, it's doing great now. And then with, with the second business, um, you know, the, there's been a lot of challenges, um, just with like setting up manufacturing and, just anytime you do something new, you, you have to learn it from scratch. So that's, that in and of itself is hard, but thankfully I have a business partner, which is like, that's one of the biggest things I've learned from uh, this most recent endeavor, Thrive Orthopedics, um, how important a business partner is. And did you have any mentors along the way that taught you to have a business partner? Or is it something like you said, you kind of learned from your last business? Um, and how did you go well, about finding this person? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I have definitely had mentors. Uh, my dad has been a, a huge mentor and like pseudo business partner, um, as I'm sure you can you can kind of put that together. Um, 
you know, but I, I think he was happy for me to, to do my own thing. Um, and then in addition to my dad, one of his business partners has been a really good mentor for me just from a, an entrepreneurship standpoint, cause he's, you know, a self-made guy and has kind of always just figured things out. Um, you know, so it's, it, I've, I've learned a lot from him. Yeah. Um, in, in, in terms of the business partner over the years, I just kind of figured out that like, I, I, I've learned what my weaknesses are and, you know, when you're starting a business, it's hard to get somebody to balance out your weaknesses unless they're all the way in and they're not going to be all the way in unless they have equity in the company too. Of course. Um, so, so yeah, I, I met my business partner. Um, I was, I was still working on my dad's second company and serving tables, um, in Philadelphia. And he came in and sat at the bar and we started chatting and, you know, he was working for a, a really big, uh, medical device company. And, um, we just started talking and talking about opportunities and, you know, we, we kind of just naturally fostered the relationship and, and the business itself started really slow because we weren't, we weren't really even sure what we were going to do at first. <laughs> we just knew that we wanted to do something together. Yeah. Um, now I want to go back to something you had mentioned earlier about kind of mindset um, so you were working this job while also serving tables. How long did you serve while you were starting this company? Yeah. So I, I started it really full time, you know, when I, I quit my job in like January of 2016. Um, and, and we were moving around, like I said, we were moving around for three months at a time. So at, at first I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find like a serving job or a, any job for just three months. So in Denver, I didn't have a second job the first three months. And then in California, I found this great catering gig. Um, so I I catered for three months in California. And then um, in uh, and then we moved to Philadelphia. And my wife was in grad school in Philadelphia for a year. So I was bartending in Philadelphia for about that whole year. Um, so, you know, I, w- I would say probably... 18 months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I know my mindset continuously got worse and worse while I was working at a restaurant because like you mentioned, you start having your friends who graduated, they're doing things, they're uh, working a corporate lifestyle that on the outside looks incredible. You know what I mean? They're starting to take pictures of their new car, their new house. Mm -hmm. They just had a baby and I'm just trying to uh, make sure I can pay my energy bill. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But also some of these people, I was making more money than them at the time and I still felt lesser than. Uh, What advice do you have for some people who may be in service industry or just uh, maybe feel down on themselves for the job that they have when they could be in a good situation, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, first of all, I think that everybody should have to work in the service industry (laughs) as a a requirement to be like a fully functioning, uh, polite adult. (laughs) Like if you want to go to a restaurant, it should be a rule that you had to have worked in a restaurant at some point. Um, it'll be like a little stamp on your ID. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like you, you, I think it just gives you a lot of perspective. And so there's like, you know, I, I'm so grateful for my experience working in the restaurant industry. Um, and, you know, I worked at this restaurant called Seasons 52 for 
um, you know, like four years. And it, it was some of the like most fun I've ever had in my life because everyone was, you know, in their early twenties and we all just had so much fun, but you, you learn about like, you know, just people, like how, like how people, you know, work, like what makes people tick and, and if, if you're paying attention. So my advice would just be like, make the most of it and like talk to your customers because I know you and I have had conversations where that's led you to many opportunities. And, and it certainly has myself, like, you know, I, I've talked to so many people I still keep in touch with that I, I met at the restaurant, whether they were coworkers or um, patrons. Yeah. Many of my, uh, no, thank you for that advice. Yeah. Many of my friends and even a couple of my family members have gotten jobs straight out of that because it's like an easy way to do an interview. Yeah. You have people sitting at your table. They love the way that you're serving them. They know mm-hmm. that you can tra- that you can use those skills in their company. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, would, would you say it's, uh, having had that experience, how has that changed your uh, mindset when you go into a restaurant and like you're talking to a server? Like, would you say you're easier on the server or do you have like higher expectations out of your, your service industry people? <sighs> so I always have high expectations when I, ha- <laughs> you can ask uh, my girlfriend, Laura, she, uh, I'm probably the worst person to go out to eat with, but I'm also very kind to the server. So yeah. I'm going to give them the benefit of the, benefit of the doubt because right. you never know if your server just, <laughs> their cat might've died that morning, yeah. which isn't so bad, but their dog might've died that morning. So, that's <laughs> yeah, so being able to put yourself in a other person's shoes is everything when it comes to service industry. And that's what it taught me. Yeah. Is that if a customer is being rude to me, if uh, my coworkers are being rude or somebody is yelling, it doesn't matter. Keep your head calm. Uh-huh. And at the end of the day, you have no idea what that person is going through. They could right. be having the worst day of their life yeah. and maybe just kind of taking it out on you at the moment. Yeah. But if you just reflect that with fire, it's, yeah. there's no good that can come from it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I give my, uh, <laughs> I, although I'm very critical mm-hmm. and I was a two minute, two bite kind of server. So yeah, for uh, sure. I'd have to come back and ask them how they're doing when I'm <laughs> sitting there and I, and I don't have ketchup on my table after five minutes and I oh, finish yeah. my prize. I'm a little upset. But 20% is the minimum, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you had bad service, um, you could always let them know in a kind way what they could have improved on. Yeah. Uh, criticism isn't always wanted, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's so hard because I took so much pride in my job um, when I was serving. And, you know, like I, I cared a lot about, you know, my table's experiences. And and I, I'm still like, I, I think it's been let's see here, you know, like four years since I've, I've served a table or made a, a cocktail behind a bar, yeah. uh, at least for money. Um, and, and I'm, I'm still like the same mindset where I, I have these expectations and I know what I would be doing in that situation. And, but yeah. I, I, I'm with you though. Like I'll, I'll give 20% no matter what, um, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> except for last night when the delivery was 30 minutes late. <laughs> I, yeah i mean delivery delivery and takeout's a tough one man like I, I i i tip obviously on both of those but like i never know exactly what to tip i tip my barber like a hundred percent yeah i i'm gonna give a shout out to uh one of my first bar trainers i think her name i think it was lee baltus uh-huh. uh 
she had told me, no matter what, you should tip 20% because without me, you would not have gotten this. So whether it's a $1 shot yeah, or if they pour you a $32 shot of McCollin, which I don't know why you would ever do that, but <laughs> say, say you're feeling lucky, uh-huh. um, you would not have this without me. So yeah. that, that's where her idea was from. And I, I honor that to this day. No matter what I get, I try to always tip 20%. That's good. Um, I'll have to do that with carry out. Carry out and de- by delivery, I'll definitely go twenty percent. Carry out enough for me, but like bar, like if it's a bartender, I go a dollar per drink or twenty percent, whichever's greater. Yeah, we're just gonna start talking about like our favorite French fries and stuff. <laughs> right. Right. Um, now, what did the service industry teach you about uh, meetings? And uh, so you used to serve people. Um, at a table who just wanted their food and drinks. Now you're giving people these high-end medical products. Um, how do you parallel the two? And what did you take from, yeah. I guess, yeah, serving in the uh, service industry? Yeah. I mean, I think that it, it's a much different pace, obviously, right? Like, and it's a much different experience. You know, your relationship with that table might only be two hours long, whereas you know, your relationship with a customer might be 20 years long in in this industry that I'm in now. Um, But the thing that doesn't change is the attentiveness. Um, So, you know, checking in on them, you know, asking, you know, for honesty and and kind of building the rapport to where they feel comfortable, like, Hey, this, this, this dish sucks. Like, can I send it back? And, and like, I, I never got mad at my tables for that. You know, the kitchen and I would go back and forth, but I never got mad at my tables for not liking something that I brought them, especially yeah. if it was my recommendation. So it's like, you know, having that, um, that, that honest communication um, is, is one of the biggest things uh, that I would say parallels. If, if you're um, a professional server or in the service industry, um, you'll probably know what, know what we're talking about with that. Um, yeah. And, and it, it, it's the same thing because like, if you're, if you're having this conversation with a doctor and, you know, kind of like at a table, you know, when they're lying to you, you know, when they're saying that they're happy, but they're not happy. Oh yeah. You know, and it's, you just kind of have to get through that and have an honest conversation. No, I love that. Uh, one of the things that I pull away from, my experience is that uh, everybody sitting at your table is just a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, you're selling to doctors, and sometimes we can put uh, people on a pedestal yeah. uh, be- and start to get a little bit of fear from that when we're doing these pitches or just talking to them mm-hmm. in a meeting. But at the end of the day, we're all people. We all go home and do this same you know, kind of routines. So uh, mm-hmm. I love that, and that's kind of helped me be more confident in myself during meetings. But um as far as for thrive orthopedics what are your some what are some of your uh short and long-term goals for that yeah so um short-term goals is setting up our our new manufacturing facility in asia um and then coming out with this uh this 3d printing model of the business um I think we can help a lot of people and and right now we're we're kind of a a small player in in the industry as a whole um but i think once we can figure these two things out which i'm hoping we can get that done within about six months um we have we have a real opportunity to put our name on the map yeah um 
so that's that's a big goal there and um and you know long-term goal I'm, I'm still kind of on the fence about this but we've we've talked about maybe merging with my dad's company um oh, cool. yeah just because there's there's kind of a lot of synergy there um you know, we, we sell to similar customers, but they're not the same, you know, so if we combined, I think we could get a broader base of customers for both companies. Um, and then also decrease all of our expenses by 50%, you know, because we, each company has the same type of overheads. Yeah. yeah. And are you a solely a wholesale? Like you, you sell directly to these hospitals or doctors, or can you sell these uh, directly to the patients themselves? Um, you know, we, we focus on the wholesale side, so we'll, okay. we'll kind of get the random order from a patient, which is fine. And we'll definitely service that. But, you know, when it comes to like, okay, what's the best use of your time? Um, especially when you're looking at your sales efforts, uh, we, we focus on the recurring revenue, which is with the hospitals and the doctor offices. Very nice. And where can people find you at? If, uh, they're interested in learning a little bit more about what Dropfoot is or learning what your guys' product is? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even if I, I have a lot of people reach out who are just interested in like medical sales or medical device sales. Um, you know, our, our website is thriveorthopedics.com. And then the, um, the plantar fasciitis treatment that my dad invented is called Fix Equinus. And that's spelled F-I-X-E-Q-U-I-N-U-S.com. Um, but I'm, I'm always an open book for people who are interested in the industry. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook. Cool, man. And are you guys, are you hoping to have a team of salespeople out there or is this, uh, just you yourself kind of branding this? Um, you know, we, we do have some salespeople actually. And, um, especially with Thrive Orthopedics, once we, um, get both of these new products launched, uh, we will be building a sales network. Yeah. Very nice. And I know uh, when I got into sales, I thought medical sales was the end all be all. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So when I, when I think of sales, I hear medical sales and everybody instantly thinks dollar signs. And like, this, <laughs> is, the place, this is the place where you want to be at. Yeah. Now, what would you say to somebody who is fearful of getting into medical sales because uh, they ha- might have that mindset? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, what you said uh, about your customers are just people. So the doctors are just people. And, you know, if, if like once you get past any kind of ego or, you know, any, any issue like that, yeah, they're all just normal people um, in terms of like the, the status or whatever of the industry itself. I mean, I think you can make really good money in any industry, um, whether it's, you know, construction sales or construction rental sales or, you know, whatever, real estate, medical. I mean, I think that you have high and low performers of every industry. And I, I think that the medical device industry is no different. Um, it, it, it's actually pretty antiquated in terms of, um, you know, it's it, the mindset of, the way the industry works is like still pen and paper. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's kind of old school in in that sense. But um, you know, I think if, if somebody, if you can sell something that you can attach a meaning to um, or, or feel passionate about, like if, if you 
find a really cool medical device and you're like, hey, this could have saved my grandpa's life and I want to sell this, then I'd say go for it and like let that be the driving factor. And and like, you know what? Like if your fear overrides that driving factor, maybe it's not for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like if, if you want something, go out and get it. I think that's great advice. That's what I talked about in my first episode is just the value that I brought at every single place and how that's the driving force for why I do such great work. It's because I know at the end of the day, what that does for my customers, my consumers, my audience, uh, my coworkers and so forth. Um, So I guess at the end of the day, do you think this is an okay field for people to start off in? And would you suggest people try, um, another area of sales before diving into medical sales yeah um it's 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 really hard for some reason it's really hard to break into as an industry um especially if you don't have any previous experience um you know the bigger companies out there that do a lot of hiring um for some reason you know, it's, it's really competitive because a lot of people want to get into it. And I think it's probably because a lot of people care about it and think that, you know, Hey, if I'm going to sell something, you know, I want to sell something that's going to help people. Um, so that's, that's probably why it's competitive, but because of the competitive nature, um, usually it's a pretty hard job to get just with no other sales experience or like with only serving experience. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you're if you are looking to break into sales um, in any level, you know I think um, a lot of times you you're gonna start out cold calling, <laughs> um, but you know just building the resume to answer your question is probably a good idea. And and if but that doesn't mean I wouldn't discourage anyone from applying to jobs and like going through those interview processes because like you're gonna learn like what they're looking for, um, and and that might open up more opportunities in the future. So I, I wouldn't say, yeah, don't go for it. Definitely go for it, but keep your options open. Like, you know, if you don't have any sales experience, get sales experience. That's the most important thing uh, when you're trying to break into um, sales just in general. And then once you're in sales, it's a lot easier to transfer into medical sales or technology sales or whatever it is. Once you have a couple of years under your belt, but those yeah. the first two years might suck. <laughs> of course. And I think you said it best. I mean, uh, one of my biggest influences, his name's Keenan. You can find him on LinkedIn, almost mm-hmm. any social media. Uh, he talks about the importance of experience uh, versus maybe your tenure or how yeah. long you've been there. Um, sure. So, or an expert versus experience. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> somebody may be in the industry for 30 years and suck at their job. And you could be in it for two years and actually be better than because you're an expert. So uh, don't let the years on your resume stray away from trying for an incredible job. Oh, um, yeah. Because you are the resume. Your resume doesn't speak for you, but you can easily speak past those uh, simple qualifications that don't really mean anything on a job posting. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's all about hard work and, and just determination in the end because, yeah, that that old guy or not, we don't have to be uh, ageist, but you know, if you, have, if you have somebody who is tenured, you know, they might be just lazy at that point and sitting back and collecting their salary. But like, if you're hungry and you want to work for it, like I, I found in sales, you can, you can just outwork people a lot of the times. Yeah. Um, 
And now, last thing, uh, you had a baby this year, correct? I did. What's uh, what's the name of your little guy or gal? <laughs> his name, <laughs> his name is uh, James Richard. James Richard, little Jr. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, when was when was James born? March second. Oh, cool. And how has that affected you? Um, how has it changed your kind of perception on how you run your business now, having a kid for the last two months? Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely has made me rethink some things. Um, and it's, it's interesting that he was born right before this coronavirus thing got serious. So, you know, before the coronavirus hit, I, I had kind of, um, found other people to go to some of my, uh, conferences and some of my sales meetings for me. Um, but it, it's made me rethink two things. Number one, it, it's made me rethink kind of my time allocations. Um, and I think that I'm a lot more focused now. Like, okay, because like as an entrepreneur, you you kind of always have to work. Uh, but now it's like, okay, I'm going to work really hard during this time period. And then when I'm off, I'm off. You know, it's not like I'm halfway working because I yeah. want to give him my attention. Um, and then it's also kind of, has helped me think a little bit bigger because going back to the time thing, like, you know, I, I don't want to be a sole proprietor, you know, or like a, you know, a small business where I have to be there doing all the work. Like I want to, I want to grow something and scale something to where, you know, that might afford me more time in the future. And, and so that's, that's kind of broadened my, my vision for the company. I love that, man. Um, I'll make this the last question, even though I said that was the last question. Uh, <laughs> I, cause I asked this on my last interview and I, I love it. So what would be the one piece of advice you want to instill in, I'm going to call him little JR, uh, for his life to make him feel successful. Focus on what you want and don't give up until you get it. Love it. Simple, right to the point. Uh, Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Joey, thank you so much for joining me again. Uh, really appreciate you sharing your story. If anyone listening has someone who they admire and want to recommend for the show, please send me a message at paveyourownpathpodcast at gmail.com. If you yourself feel successful, let me interview you. Uh, hope you guys learned something today. Please once again ask yourself, how do I bring value? Pave your own path and have a wonderful day. Thank you.